0: Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 11th, episode 1674. Good morning, horse world.
3: When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an don't endurance rider.
1: Me Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood
0: trees. Send me- Boy, we're going to be talking about some people today who aren't being fenced in, that's for sure. (laughs) And uh, Karen is back. She is here the second Tuesday of every month for the last lot of years now, (laughs) forever.
2: I know. I know. Yeah. So, like like 4 years Four I think. years
0: yeah and i remember when i said you you asked you about doing this i said oh, let's do it for a couple months and see how it goes and uh-huh. here we are 4 years later <laughs> <laughs> but you know what people are listening so that's good you get stopped at cho- at uh, events and shows and stuff and uh, rides uh-huh. so that's right, kind of neat right
2: it's fun and there's always so many fun people to talk to you know and w- i mean we've only really made a dent because there are still s- You know, it's like every month it's like I end up going, you know, who should I talk to this month? But there's, there's, just so many interesting and, and fun people that are out there. It's just, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Are you
0: telling me that people who ride for 24 hours straight might be characters <laughs> and interesting to talk to? Is that what you saying? Some
2: of them. Some of them are, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Big surprise there. But it is the endurance episode. We talk about endurance riding of all kinds on the second Tuesday of every month. If you've missed past episodes, just head on over to horsesinthemorning.com and search Search for Karen Chatton, C-H-A-T-E-N, and uh, you'll find, or T-O-N, sorry. T-O-N. Yeah, C-O-N. And then you'll find all of the past episodes over there. I do have a birthday I want to do because it's for one of our auditors today, and we we like to acknowledge our auditor birthdays. And uh, let me do this. Happy
1: birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. (laughs)
0: And that's to Allison Elfrink, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday to Allison. I don't know if she's listening because she's in college, but. uh.
2: Okay, happy birthday. And to my horse, Granite Chief, who just turned 22 this week.
0: Oh, wow. Well, happy birthday to
2: Chief. I know. I can't believe it. He's 22. And still going strong. Yes, yes. And hes he is a character as well. And it does not know that he's anywhere near out of his teen years at all. <laughs> that's okay.
0: Well, that, you know that's, what? That's why he's still going strong. <laughs> he's a it's
2: feisty all, little booger, yes. It's all
0: attitude. <laughs> all, and now, do you have plans to bring another one into the herd at this point and Start training not, them up?
2: You know, I haven't right now because both of them are still... Going well, and I just, you know, it comes down to a matter of time. If I had another horse, then the the two, you know, that I've got would be getting, um, they wouldn't be getting the time that they deserve. And and I'm just really enjoying having these nice, well broke horses that are safe and fun to ride. Yeah, mind.
0: that is nice. Yeah, ask Jennifer yeah. when she traded Beaker in and got Nigel. Although he's getting there. Hey um, hey hey! I'm right here. <laughs> Right here. All right, Jennifer. Speaking of Jennifer, what is coming up on today's show?
3: Coming up on today's show, stories about how good Nigel is. No. Coming up on today's (laughs) endurance episode, in reverse order of go. We've got Phyllis Keller, who's gonna have a live report from the Pacific Coast Crest Trail, providing she can get cell service. And Gordon Ainsley. Is going to load us all on the Wayback Machine with the Truth is Stranger Than Fiction story of Wendell Roby, which may or may not feature a famous president. And then Ruth Ann Everett is going to stop by with a preview of the most beautiful ride in America, in my humble opinion, the Biltmore ride, which is coming up in May. So stay tuned for the praise, folks.
0: And of course, the Biltmore is getting a little more attention this year because Tryon's going to be hosting the World of Question games next year. So that's adding to the attention there in North Carolina. Well, we uh, we the couple of things to chat about. It's interesting because we're going to be talking about some distance riders today who are you know not competing but doing distance rides, and uh, you know we had. We had Mighty Blue in here on Friday, who does a podcast about hiking the Appalachian Trail. So mm. it seems like, you know, we're, we're, we're being surrounded by hikers of all sorts here. Uh, because basically what these people are doing are hiking the Pacific Crest Trail with their horses. Uh, and uh, they're riding with their horses. And, and it's one of the very few trails you can do that. We'll talk more about that later on. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before the show is the snowpack. In the West, you guys have had a lot of rain, which means in the mountains they've had a lot of snow, right?
2: Exactly. They measured up at Mount Rose yesterday, and it was like 200 inches. Is still there?
0: Of snow? Of snow?
2: Oh my yes. God. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's. Kind of crazy. And then, you know, like our county has already in advance of the flooding declared it a disaster (laughs) area. You're gonna have that. Oh,
0: I forgot all that snow melts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Once it melts, it's gonna run off. And there's already been a lot of damage. We've already had a lot of flooding this year. And so when all of this melts, you know, it has to go somewhere. And so it's just all going to depend on how quickly it melts how much more could be added because it seems like each week, like we just had a storm that added another almost three feet of snow higher up. So, you know, just every time we, you know, down here in the Valley think we're getting out of the mud finally. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> we're back in the mud again.
0: Now you said and, some parts of the Western States trail, which is a the trail they use for Tevis, right? A part of that. Uh-huh. Yep. And that it has still is under 20 to 30 feet of snow.
2: In sections, yes. And so they haven't even really been able to assess what kind of damage has been done yet. I know they're working on getting together a bunch of crews and workers and teams of people to go and work on the trail when the time comes, you know, but for now they can't even get to quite a bit of it to, to even see, you know, what kind of shape it's in. So they've got their work cut out for them. And, and hopefully it's not going to be, you know, too bad. Although, um, you know, there there is a good chance that there's going to be some washouts and some trees down, and you know, so there there is going to be a significant amount of work that's going to need to be done to you know keep the trail in in good condition. And they've done such a fantastic job the last few years. The trails, like, in the best shape I've ever seen it in. It's it's it really is, and it is what well, I don't know if "was" is the correct term, but it. You know, as of the ride last year, it was in really good shape.
0: Now, you know, you can cut up a tree that falls down to the path. That's fairly easy. But boy, well, I uh-huh. guess when the trail just totally washes out, that's a problem.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And then you've got to make sure it's safe to support the weight of all the horses, too.
0: <laughs> and you're going on <laughs> edges and things along the way there. That I, they, So uh-huh. they pretty much have to ride the entire trail with a magnifying glass and make sure it's Okay
2: right yeah. and have people really check it out and, and and it's not just that one trail but the whole region I think everybody's gonna be kind of um, scrambling this year to you know to check out the trails and see the kind of condition they're in and and make sure that they're safe for all the you know the rides or the other events that that occur on them it's I think it's going to be a region-wide kind of thing and and some of these trails you you know i did a couple of rides um since the last show here in nevada and both of the rides had plenty of sections where there were some really gnarly washouts and stuff like the the first ride i did up north of reno i mean one of the roads is just completely it's like a mini grand canyon the road is gone and now it's just this huge crevice so you have to go you know completely around it but um it's amazing to see you know the power of mother nature <laughs> and and what what it can do you know
0: well wow. uh, and now you also uh since we saw you last i saw some interesting pictures and things about you getting new toys
2: i did i have we got uh, this is This is, I have a funny story to tell about, we got a security camera to put up above the garage doors so that we would know basically if anybody comes onto the property, it's got a motion detector and it will send me an alert to my phone right away and I can look at it and see who's there. And so... While we were setting it up, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to set it up, leave it on the kitchen counter, point it into the living room while we go do some shopping um, at Costco today. And... It would be I thought oh, it'll be kind of fun to see what the dogs are doing while we're gone So we get to costco and and we go over to the food court and i'm like i'm gonna run to the restroom So I go into the bathroom Well, just as I go into the bathroom stall one of my dogs walks past the camera and sets off the motion detector And of course since it's my first time using it. I didn't know any better. I had turned on 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 yes Yes, yes to all of the alarms so I'm in the bathroom stall. And now because my dog has set off the motion detector on the camera, it is now sounding the alarm, which sounds just like a siren, like a police siren or a <laughs> fire department siren. So it's going. R-r-r-r-r. Well, it the camera has two way audio. So at the same time, I'm and I'm pulling out the camera going or the phone going, how do I turn this off? Well, at the same time, because it's Two-way audio My dogs on their end here at home could hear the siren going off (laughs) (laughs) So now and I can see I can see this whole thing happening on my phone on the video all four of my dogs are now in the living room. One of them is sitting in the recliner, howling her head off <laughs> the, So between the four of them they're barking, they're yapping, they're howling and they're and this so now this is all coming back through my phone from the bathroom stall, all of these dogs barking and howling and yapping along with the siren sound. <laughs> get it shut off i come out of the stall and literally people in the bathroom are all just cracking up and laughing (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like i i can't even explain this
0: (laughs) i assume you've turned all those alarms alerts off now yes yes,
2: i yes i have (laughs) i bet (laughs) oh dear so yeah so so yeah that camera worked really good
0: (laughs) (laughs) and now you know your dogs just go crazy when you're not there
2: they do, especially if they hear a siren. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's funny! And you got a quadcopter too?
2: I do. Yes, I do. And so the f- one of the first things I did was crash it into my neighbor's tree across.
0: Of course, the street. that's what you do when you get a quadcopter. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't flown mine in a long time. I have to get that thing out.
2: Yeah, it's kind of fun. It and you know it takes some can
0: practice of- though
2: it sure does i mean you think you're turning it one way and it goes the other way and the next thing you know you're crashing it into the fence yeah the hard
0: problem with those is not only do you turn them left and right you can turn them completely around so that you're constantly Uh trying to figure out okay which direction is my quadcopter actually pointed you know because you're you think you're going one way and you're going completely the opposite it it does take a lot of practice
2: Yes, yes, I, I'm still on the in the practice stage for sure.
0: <laughs> and you do wreck it a few times, especially into the ground.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, I, Oh, yes, I've, I've, you know, yeah. So I'm not anywhere near ready to take it near the horses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do they think of it? Have they seen it yet? Or?
2: They have, and they, they don't seem to mind. That, they, yeah, that they'll be, they'll be fine with it because they've been <clears> exposed to so many things in their lives, um, but. Um, still i don't need it crashing into them (laughs) No, (laughs) which is what i would do but yeah and surprisingly (laughs) that might scar
0: them about quadcopters in the future yeah
2: yeah it's still doing well i mean it hasn't nothing's broken on it and luckily it came with a lot of extra parts and propellers and things (laughs) so we've had hot
0: air balloons land in fields near the horses and that, that that's always interesting too
2: Right, right. Well, or I mean, I've even had like helicopters land right next to to mine, you know, so I I think they'll handle the copter. Okay.
0: Well, let's talk about your Mm -hmm. endurance tip of the month and uh, big surprise. It's about (laughs) mud.
2: It's about mud, you know, and gosh, I was just thinking, you know, gee, it's drying out finally because my horses have spent like months in mud. And, uh, you know, especially if you have any low spots at all, they just they never dried out and and it's tough. And, you know, where I'm at, because it will freeze at night. So any when the horses walk around during the day in the mud, you know, they leave all of their you know, prints, and it's all uneven and rough. And then it freezes solid at night. And that is just that can be so hard on their feet. And so I just had a couple tips of on how to take care of their, uh, their feet and their hooves, you know, when you're in that kind of a, a condition. Uh, one of the things that's really important is to keep checking your horse's feet and make sure they stay balanced and that they don't get too long because if they do, you're going to increase your chance of getting an abscess. And I know a lot of horses this year have been suffering from getting abscesses. Um, so it's important to keep your horse's feet clean. Use an anti thrush treatment on them regularly, especially if they're getting manure packed into their feet. Um, you know, clean it out. Um, you know, just you can do a, a 10% um, bleach and water solution and just spray that in there or buy a commercial thrush anti-thrush treatment, which will also work. And then just keep an eye also on your horse's pasterns to make sure that they're not getting scratches, which is kind of like a dermatitis from all of the mud. And so for some horses, um, they'll need. Uh, not just treatment, but prevention on, on, on that so that they don't get scratches and some horses are more prone to it than others. So you just have to really keep an eye, you know, on their feet, their pasterns, and just make sure everything stays healthy and, and well cared for. And those are my tips for trying to, um, to endure the mud.
0: All right. Very good. And now we, um, we wanted to, we're going to be talking about a couple of different rides, ones that actually you haven't been on Biltmore before, have you?
2: I haven't, but the more I learn about it, it's like, wow, I really want to go do that ride. It sounds like so much fun, and uh, it's at such a neat historical place. It sounds like, um, you know, it's the riders that are close by that get to do that all the time are really lucky.
0: Well, we're going to be interviewing on the 2018 WEG show this week, actually, on Thursday. We're going to be interviewing... Uh uh, Mark Bellissimo, who is the big boss of Tryon and uh, the one who put in the bid to do the WAG at Tryon. So we're going to be chatting with him, and one of my questions is going to be for him is what they have planned for the endurance uh, track. Because, because I don't know at this point. It sounds like they're going to want everything to leave from Tryon, from the equestrian center there. And, you know, one of the options I guess they would have is to go up to Biltmore. It's about a 40 minutes down the road. And they did that in France. I mean, in France, it was scattered all over the place. Huh. But uh, I think that his goal has always been to have everything leave right out of the park. Okay. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. We'll find out. I'm going to be asking about that. And I'm sure maybe some of the your endurance <laughs> listeners already know the answer to that. But uh, we'll we'll get it from the boss's mouth and find out. Samantha, Samantha, who was there just over the weekend to try on, said the entire place is a construction site. Wow, they're working on everything. Uh, so, as you would expect, they only had eighteen months to put together what takes countries normally six years. So, they're they're really uh, doing everything they can to get indoors done because you know certain wow. competitions in the wag have to be indoor. So, mm-hmm. they have they're required to be indoor. Raining and and vaulting both have to be indoors. So, yeah, and they're working on that. And then you you kind of got this hundred mile track you have to put together, right? So, yeah. <laughs> So I, it'll be interesting to see, and you know, we'll see what happens with it uh, coming up. But I'm excited to uh, learn more about what, everything that's going to be happening. If you haven't listened to that show yet, we cover everything World Equestrian Games, including Endurance. So head over to the 2018wegshow.com.
2: And you're going to get to be there and see all of this in person, aren't you? Yeah,
0: we because we do the WEG show, we will do a Fun. wrap-up show at the end of every night. So we'll be there for all 14 days. Um, we did it when it was here 2010. We didn't go to France, but we did uh 2010 radio show, uh, Samantha Clark and I, and she's co-hosting now with me for this one and we did a wrap-up show at the end of every day and we saw every event uh we pretty much saw everything going on there at in in kentucky and we're really excited to to talk about try on yesterday we were kind of shopping around for places like houses for rent and stuff and i did notice that you're not going to be able to trust the prices you see on like airbnb because they're only guaranteed for a year, and we're more than a year out. So I wrote to a couple oh. of people, and pretty much they tripled the prices. So what was uh. 2500 is now 7000 Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting that way, and hotel rooms are already jacking their rates up because there's just not that much housing around there.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah. Are
0: there other options to rent an RV and uh, park in somebody's friend. yard? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So.
3: Everybody's going to have to gang up and, and just like have a bunk.
0: Yep, yep. that's it. I, I found an RV that actually, one of those, Jennifer, that actually has bunks that we can rent. So it'd be oh, really? perfect. Oh, so wow. if Karen comes in to watch the endurance race, uh, she can stay with us. Oh, cool. You're, you'll be all set. <laughs> you know, the Biltmore should open up some of those 80 rooms. So they could rent them out.
2: I know. I was reading how big that place is. It is. is. It's it,
0: huge. It's
2: crazy. It's really wow. a cool place. Yeah.
0: Yep. But they don't have the hundred servants they used to have. So you know, <laughs> you'd probably have to make your own dinner or something. Oh darn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to our product of the month. With Kristen from Distance Depot is joining us, like she does every month. We make her get up early. Hi, Kristen.
3: Hi, Karen and Glenn. How are you?
0: Okay, We're just talking a little bit about the wag, and uh, things are getting exciting down in Tryon.
3: Oh, yeah, it sounds like it, and I've been to the Biltmore for anyone who hasn't been. boy, it is um quite a beautiful place for sure.
0: It's a nice little cottage in the in the woods, huh? Oh exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer yeah. rode there. She You can actually <laughs> rent horses and ride there, and she went out. It was just her and her friend and the guide, so they get to ride all over with Biltmore as the backdrop.
3: Yes, yeah. it is fascinating. It's just so beautiful.
0: Do you like wine, really Karen? Because they have a winery, too. At,
3: oh, uh, do they? Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, cool, cool. Yeah,
0: you can do wine tasting wow. before you ride if you want. Uh, mm. Either way.
2: So I take it they have a lot of facilities there for people with horse trailers and stuff? Obviously, for parking, if they're running an endurance ride, yes, they do.
0: there. Yeah,
3: they do uh-huh. because they have they have the stables there, so they have tons of um, <gasps> paddocks and all of that. And of course, when they have the endurance ride, there's tons of room along the river to set up. But it is just incredible to ride those trails there. It really is beautiful.
0: In the house, uh, the house <laughs> in the mansion, yes. they have a, <laughs> they have some pi- historical <laughs> pictures of the old days with all of the carriages lined up out front when they had parties. Um oh wow. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. You know, that that is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, definitely if anybody's going for the wagon, you have not seen the Biltmore in Asheville. Or Asheville's kind of a neat town too in the mountains. You have it to go check it out. It is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But Kristen, wow. that's what we're not talking about. You're not selling the the uh, Biltmore estate today. I am not. So, no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, today we're going to talk about the Revita Vet therapeutic infrared light systems that we offer. Um, It's all pretty technical, um, but in layman's terms, if you will, basically the light therapy creates blood flow, which in turn, of course, um, helps to um, promote healing. So these light systems work with infrared lights. Um, We have complete systems, which are... um, pretty costly, but come with many different pads to use on the horse in different areas, um, and they're battery-operated, and the complete system you can also um, plug in and charge. So um, it's basically everything you need for for therapy, whether it be for um, preventative maintenance, um, which I have used these um, many moons ago in the endurance world, had the opportunity to use these lights on legs and backs and rump muscles, all kinds of hawks, all kinds of different places. And, um, you know, you can't over-treat, really. Most of us don't have enough time to over-treat. But um, I saw really very interesting results and, and quick healing on things that would typically take much longer. Um it has been proven to to help you know reduce the the therapy time um by half right. so i
2: know there's there has been a lot of research on this actually i think been. nasa did a bunch of stuff with the astronauts um yes. uh, with the 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 red light therapy and there's there is some published stuff out there showing that it really does increase healing time on injuries it and really things
1: mhm yeah And
3: actually I've used it on myself too, Um, and and our manager, Sharon, her daughter just um, injured her foot and and cracked it um, practicing for track, and she used them too, and it really helps with the pain as well Um, because, of course, when the blood vessels open um, and the blood flows better, you know, if you think about putting a rubber band around your finger, Um, and how that can hurt after a while but if you take that rubber band off and the blood flow goes it stops hurting so it really um, helps with the pain too so it's very interesting therapy but we have um, a pole cap we have hawk savers um, so you can treat both hawks at the same time they are sold as a pair we have an ankle saver and a tendon saver and the tendon saver can be moved around they're battery operated so you can place it on the crest or you can place it on the shoulder and hold it there. And the treatments are, you know, 15 minutes. Um, Some are as long. The hawks you can leave on for as long as 30 minutes. But it's a really great way um, for preventative as well as as treating injuries.
2: And this is called RevitaVet Infrared Light Therapy.
3: That's correct.
2: And if somebody wants to learn more, um, tell us what your uh, website address is.
3: We are the distance depot, and you can type in RevitaVet or Infrared Light Therapy, and you should find the products there. It's also on the navigation menu on the left-hand side.
2: Well, thank you, Kristen, for joining us again, and have a great day. Well,
0: before we let Kristen go, I just was <laughs> on here chopping. You have a whole bunch of stuff in the clearance section right now, too. We,
3: <laughs> we do. We sure do. Yeah, it seems like... Um, that stuff gets added in, to, in in there pretty regularly. So, yeah, you can come
0: and check it out. Some, some carrots at pretty good discounts. We got uh, some carrot stuff in here. We have some Noble Outfitters stuff, uh, some boots, um, all different mm-hmm. kinds of stuff in here at, at pretty good discounts. So don't forget to check that out when you go to the distance depot. I'm always looking for deals because I'm a horse husband, you know. So. <laughs> That's
3: right. Who doesn't like a smart thrill? guy?
0: That's what we do. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: TheDistanceDepot.com is where you can find that. And, uh, you know, we might as well just talk about something else, too, while we're at it, because I did notice that our guest coming up, hopefully later in the day, who is riding the Pacific Crest Trail, is using renegade boots. Yes. I saw the picture and I went, are those renegades she's using? So she is not shod. She
2: is done. No, she she, and and Phyllis has actually ridden quite a bit in Renegades. In fact, that's how she and I first met at a ride one time. Um, I picked up a boot on the trail and it happened to be Phyllis's and I brought it back and returned it to her. And and that's how we first met um, initially. And this has been years ago. Uh, So because um, of
0: Renegade, you became friends. I know. <laughs> you know, and Renegade of course, uh, you know, if somebody is riding uh 2600 miles, then you you know that she trusts those, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and um yes, and I know Phyllis has done every Kind of ride there is, including hundreds using renegades, as have I, uh, with with good success with with our horses, and um, hopefully she's gonna, you know, put a bunch of miles on her renegades on this trip on the Pacific. How many will customer. she go
0: through to do twenty six hundred miles? A few sets. You'd-
2: you know, it just depends. Yes, probably at least I would say at least two or three sets,
0: um, depending on terrain, y- you know, I guess and all that stuff. Yeah,
2: right. Because she's mostly going to be going at a slower speed, at more like a walk. You know, so they're not going to wear out quite as fast as if she was trotting the whole way. However, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of the footing is going to be really rough on. On boots or, you know, any kind of protection just because there's going to be a lot of, um, I'm sure, granite and rocks and things like that. Even the
0: sand wears it down, right? I mean, sand's abrasive, too.
2: Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And she got the first
0: 400 miles of that trip is uh, deserts.
2: Right. But it does, you know, I've been following her on the GPS tracker and you you can zoom in and you can look at the, um. you know, it's like Google earth. And so you can see the trail and it doesn't really look, you know, when you think a desert, you just think it's, you know, dry and Sand flat. Sand yeah. There's not yeah. a lot. Well, it doesn't look like that to me in the, you know, on the satellite pictures. It looks like she's in some pretty good terrain already, you know, on some ridges and and I know she's been on some narrow trails and stuff like that already. So I know that um, you have
0: done uh, you've done the Pony Express and you've done some distance riding like that. Have you? Do you have any desire to do any more to do anything else?
2: Um, you know, possibly. I'm kind of jealous because I want. I would like to. You know, it's always fun to go and do something different and test yourself, and uh, you know, get to see trails you haven't seen before. You know, and then. Um, like yesterday she was out there for 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I'm not quite as jealous anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of those days, like six months of them. <laughs>
2: so, yes.
0: <laughs> that's the thing. It's you know, it's one thing to do it uh, weekend here or there, you know, a couple of weekends a month. Uh-huh. but to do it every day every for, day for 6 months right, you know that my, that's yes. a whole different ball game com is where you can find the boots that uh, she is using for the Pacific Crest Trail well let's head back east we have our guest ready
2: We do from the southeast region. We have Ruth Ann Everett. She is a longtime endurance rider I know she has won the national hundred mile championship back in 2013 and uh, According to her husband Mike, they live fairly close to the Biltmore And so we're gonna chat with her a little bit about the Biltmore ride and, and a little bit about her riding history So good morning Ruth Ann. Welcome to the show.
4: Hi Karen, good morning. Thank you very much. I'm just delighted
2: to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you. And so tell us, how did you get started in endurance writing? I got started in endurance writing through my husband, Mike,
4: and our mentors, Claude and Mary Brewer. And Mike bought a horse back in the mid-90s and started riding immediately and having so much fun and going to endurance rides on the weekends. And I thought, wow, this sounds like something I would like to do, but I'm not the type that would just jump on a horse and, and go. I had to take lessons and figure it out and learn how to ride first, but I did that and eventually joined Mike and Claude and Marion and all of our friends and have just had the most fantastic journey through endurance through all these years. It has just been a wonderful way to see different parts of the country and to enjoy enjoy horseback riding. And I'm just so glad we got involved in it. And it seems like a long time ago now, but um, <laughs> I, I haven't looked back and <laughs> just really am having a good time.
2: Good. And so what draws you to wanting to do the hundreds?
4: Karen, I think it's because I enjoy being out there on a horse and I just really like time in the saddle and the hundred mile ride certainly gives you that opportunity because you're, you're out there for a long time. I like to ride at night. I, I find that that is a very peaceful experience and, and my horses can see and I just am very comfortable riding in the evening and, and into the night on, on the horses. And so the hundred mile ride offers all of that and it's it's quite an adventure and I've I've just really had a chance to see lots of different parts of this country on horseback too. Mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate.
2: And so which is one of your favorite hundreds?
4: Oh goodness. They're all they're all <laughs> so unique. Uh, they are also unique, and in 2013, I did uh, five different hundreds in five states, and I was able to start that season with the Biltmore ride that I'm so excited to, to tell you more about, and I rode the Vermont that year, the Vermont 100, which is a fabulous ride, the Big South 400 in Tennessee, uh, the AHA Distance Nationals in 2013, that was in um, Illinois, And then I came back down and did my last ride that year in uh, South Carolina at at the Carolina ride. But in, in preparing for talking to you this morning, I've gone back to my history of riding the Biltmore, and this Biltmore 100 in 2017 will be my 24th. Biltmore entry wow. since uh, 1995, wow. when I first started riding, and <laughs> so I've put together uh, some some information just to prepare, and I have ridden about or over 1,400 miles on the Biltmore trails through all of those competitions wow. Wow. through the years. So I guess it's safe and, to and say you Biltmore like that ride. ride. It is a fantastic ride, and I'm I'm delighted to be able to to share some about this upcoming um, iconic and superlative event. It was my first 100 mile ride uh, back okay. when um, I first got started in hundreds. It was it was the first 100 I did in the spring of 2004, and it was also Mike's my, my husband's first 100 mile ride a couple of years ago. So it's a great. um and and it's for not only a hundred mile riders, of course. They offer uh, an LG, they offer a 50 mile ride, and I've done the 50 plenty of times. They have two different events. Usually the Biltmore Challenge is in the spring in May, and then the Biltmore Mountain Hopes, which is a fundraiser ride. Comes in the fall, and that's how I've been able to have so many opportunities to ride those Biltmore trails. And that fall ride is a fundraiser for a horse welfare and a rescue organization. And the the Biltmore ride is about an hour and a half, about from our house, and so it's close to us and easy to get to. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoy I really enjoy riding that ride so tell us what are the trails like there well the trails are all located on the biltmore estate and and for your listeners who are familiar or, or not so familiar with the biltmore estate this this location is the most highly visited historic site in the united states and it was built by george washington vanderbilt way back in I think it opened in 1895. The home was mm-hmm. officially opened in 1895. But a lot of the trails are old carriage trails, old, part of an old trail system that was there on the, on the ground for the, the Vanderbilt family. And part of the history of this is that in, in May of 1888, about 129 years ago, George Vanderbilt was looking for a place to build his mansion, his, his estate. And he was horseback riding around the hills of Asheville, which was probably just a tiny hamlet then. And he was riding on May 1st with a friend of his. And he came upon this area of just a beautiful mountain vista, which now we know became his home, the Biltmore Estate. Mm-hmm. He, he told his friend that was where he wanted to build his house but the trails are along the french broad river the french broad river runs beside the the whole biltmore estate and and then it's back in the the heyday or or the the peak of the biltmore estate he had about 125,000 acres there that spanned about four counties it, it spanned across four of our um, North wow. Carolina western county. So it it was at one time just a huge property and to have the opportunity to ride on some of those old trails is is very is a very unique experience. We we have the opportunity now we didn't in back in the in the 90s but now we have the opportunity to cross over the French Broad River by uh, it's a it's a very good recently constructed bridge, you go across the French Broad River, which takes you across to other parts. All the vet checks are in camp, and the loops go out from camp and come back again. Although there's so much property and so many trails, you don't have a lot of repeating of loops. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. go out and do the same thing again and come back. You, you go out on these different, I call them trips. You just go out on different trips on these these great loops and you come back in and all holes are, are in camp it makes it easier for your crew it's easier for for your camping you get to come back and and relax there the night before the ride the Biltmore Estate caters a lovely lovely dinner at at your auction you can purchase a meal ticket and, and have the dinner there under a huge white tent wow and it's, it's Just a nice, nice event. Uh, The ride manager is Cheryl Newman, and her husband, Stag, do a fantastic job. And they continue this tradition of this superlative iconic event. And um, in in May, they offer a two-day event. The um, limited distance is on Friday, and they offer a 50-mile ride. And then on Saturday, they have a 30-mile limited distance and a 55-mile ride, a 75-mile ride, and then the 100-mile ride. It's an AERC ride, but it's also um option to enter the FEI. There's an mm-hmm. open FEI and a junior young rider FEI ride.
2: And do they get a really good turnout?
4: It is very well attended. It's a oh, huge good. ride, and since it is an FEI ride, um, this ride has been going on now for, gosh, I guess it's 22 years. This is uh, this I think this is the 22nd year of this ride, and since it is an FEI opportunity, you have an international group of riders who come. There are many riders of all different distances, and it's. It's just a wonderful opportunity. The the trails are, it's mountainous, but it is, they're like gentle hills. It's a challenging ride, but the hills are rolling and the mountains are low mountains. So there are no extreme steep ups and steep downs. And um, there is a Facebook page. The Biltmore Equestrian Center created a Facebook page for the ride. And the website for the ride is com. Okay. And then there's a Facebook page also.
0: And if you come in the night before, you have to go to the Biltmore because they converted the stables into a restaurant and you get to eat in the stalls. <laughs> it's cool. Really? Yes. Yeah, they did they converted the stables into a restaurant. It's a good so, place. To I
2: eat. like I like how Glenn knows where the food I is. I know where the food is.
0: I'll tell you every time where the food is. <laughs>
2: and so, um Ruthann, what's what's the camping like there for the for the ride?
4: The camping is is plentiful. It's in an open large open area right by the river, right by the French Broad River, and it's flat. King area is very flat. It's primitive camping, and
3: mm-hmm. there's
4: plenty of space, plenty of room to spread out. And the trails just go right, right out of camp. And um, the sponsors this year, they have some fantastic sponsors. There's Taylor Tax, Becky Pierman Photography, the Biltmore Winery. All the prizes are wonderful. The, the um, completion awards and okay. the, the prizes are excellent. Biltmore Winery is a sponsor the Distance Depot and Horse Lover's Outlet, Platinum Performance, Riding Warehouse, and Running Bear. So you can see from the sponsorship, there's a lot of support for this ride. And there are many, many volunteers. Bonnie Hanna coordinates the volunteers, and that's another thing that makes this ride so great. There are many people there doing all the important jobs of an endurance ride. they are volunteers, and there are many of them.
1: Oh, good. And that
2: is another reason why it is such a huge success. Well, it sounds like a really fun ride. I wish it, I wish I was closer to it.
0: Well, it would only take you four days to I drive know, in. I, <laughs> four days, you'll be there. <clears throat> I know.
4: Yes, yes. I would. I would love it if you could come out. I think you would. You would really like it. Everyone. Everyone likes this ride. And I just want to say that if anyone's interested in reading more about the the Biltmore estate, the history of the estate, and a little bit more about the family, I referred to a book that I got. Um, I was honored to receive this book as one year from, from um, Cheryl Newman as one of the writers who has ridden the ride more than anyone else. So I was I was given this nice book as a gift. Yeah. At, at a ride one year, and the name of the book is Biltmore Estate, and the author is Ellen Irwin Rickman, R-I-C-K-M-A-N, and it's one of the best histories of the of the estate and um, the whole area and the family that I have ever read. It's really good.
0: Ruthann, I have a question for you, too. Um, we were just talking before you came on the air about of course, Tryon hosting the World Equestrian Games next year. It, and I, I don't know, are they building a new track down by Tryon for endurance? Have you heard? Or are they going to use the Biltmore track? Do you know?
4: I have heard. Now, this is just what I know from just talking to some, some local endurance riders, that they are going to use a course in the Tryon area that they are going to use a course there. Okay. But of course, um I that's all I know. It's very preliminary now and I I don't have any other information.
0: All right, we'll be talking to, for everybody that wants to know, just tune in to the 2018 WEG show when it comes out later this week. We'll be talking to Mark Bellissimo, and I plan on asking him that question. So <laughs> we'll, if anybody knows it's Mark, he's the boss. So we'll find out what's going on there and see uh, see what the story is. But thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. What a beautiful place to do an endurance ride. No question about it in the mountains. Mountains of North Carolina,
2: right? Yes, thanks, Ruth Ann, and congratulations thanks. on on uh, gosh, riding since 1994. That's awesome. Time just flew by, didn't it?
4: <laughs> yes, yes, it really did. And we have many more adventures and places to see, and many more rides to do. And thank you so much, Karen, for having me.
0: Thank you, Ruth Ann. Well, that's it, Karen. You have to pack up your truck and trailer, <laughs> head east. And
2: he- and head out. Yes. 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 Like you said, four days of driving. Yeah.
0: Well, that's okay. I mean, you can take your time. You're used to camping, so that'll be fine.
2: <laughs> I know. <laughs> Pull I know. over at the
0: Walmarts well, and you can park I know. for free. You know,
2: I just, I love hearing about all of these rides, though. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun to hear, you know, about rides that, that are on the opposite end of the, the country from where I am. It's, it's sort of, um, y- you know, just, fun to to hear and learn about them. And, um, yeah, the riders out out in the the east and southeast and northeast are really lucky to have, um, you know, events at at places like the Biltmore Estate.
0: You know, she talked about the ride that they do in Vermont. My God, that must be hilly. (laughs) (laughs) The White Mountains up there, that must be interesting. Probably so. Yep. All right, well, let's yeah. take a break for a song, and then we're coming back, and we're going to hear from Gordon Ainsley, who's going to talk about Wendell Robbie. Who, uh, is it Robbie or Roby? Roby. Roby, who started, uh, who was the one that really started the Tevis Cup. And he's going to give us a little bit of the history of how all of that happened. Uh, coming up here in a couple of minutes. And then hopefully we're going to, we're going to get a hold of Phyllis Keller. It's really early out there. We'll be probably waking her up. Uh, but uh, we're hopefully going to get a hold of her. She's, uh, she's riding the Pacific Crest Trail. And we uh, we want to talk to her on the early part of her ride and then keep track of her uh, all along. We're hoping to catch up with her every month on this show as she goes over the 2,600 miles up to Canada. Wow. And we, we you know we had fun last year following a cross-country ride, so hopefully we get to do that again this year. Yeah. Oh, the hard part is getting them where they actually have cell service.
1: That's the I hardest know.
0: part. <laughs> all right, we'll be back.
1: We're all on our way somewhere. Headed down some different roads It's easy to get lost out there We don't always find our way back home Sometimes life ain't fair We're on our way somewhere We're all doing the best we can Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do We all need a helping hand To pick us up, to pull us through When we can't find the strength to stand We're all doing the best we can And turning, constantly learning, trying to make sense of it all. Walking and crawling, stumbling and falling, but always stronger after the fall. We all got our own story to tell, and I sound similar. They're not the same Me, I've lived through some living hell well, When I'm still dealing with the pain But I'm feeling better than I've ever felt We have got our own story to tell Yeah, we're twisting and turning
0: That's Templeton Thompson with We're All on Our Way Somewhere. You can find all of her music at templetonthompson.com. We are the Horses in the Morning. I got Karen Chatton here, and of course, we're doing Endurance Day. Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month talking endurance riding. And uh, she uh, she is the one, actually, that you can thank for this because she puts together all the guests and gets them all lined up uh, and gets people out of bed at 6 in the morning in California to come on the show. So she is the one that you can credit and blame for what we do here on Endurance Day and and uh-huh. been doing it for a lot of years. We really appreciate it, Karen. Well, your guest is ready. And I'm so excited because I love history.
2: I know this is going to be really fun. And we have Gordon Ainsley, who is a, a a long-distance ultra-marathon trail runner, but he just recently posted a really cool history about Wendell Roby, and so I invited him to come on and and to talk about that because a lot of the history nobody has heard this, and so I think it's going to be really of of fun uh, time to talk to Gordon. So uh, welcome to the show. Good morning, Gordon. Well, thank you for getting up and answering your phone this morning.
5: <laughs> well, I, I had to get up because my wife left at
2: 6.15. Okay. So, <laughs> I know. I, I saw you. Up. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. And so uh, this post that you did about Wendell Roby, I thought was really kind of interesting. And tell us a little bit about how you came to know Wendell.
5: Well, I had grown up um, in Nevada City, which was, well, I, until the age of 14, which is 28 miles from Auburn, and then when I was 14, my mother moved our family <clears throat> to an area about uh, 12 miles from Auburn, and the reason she did that is because there was a a hospital where she'd worked. There was a tuberculosis hospital, and it was just over the hill from where we got our house. Anyway, I lived there until, well, I was about 44 when I had this great relationship with my mom where, you know, I, I never found the right woman and, and she was happy to have me hang around and take care of the place and, and give me room and board. And, you know, it was really good. Both of us had, uh, we benefited financially from the oh, situation because uh-huh. she would, we both would have had to pay more for what we got from the other person anyway, so i I lived there for quite a while, and I, I want to clarify uh, that for
0: everybody that's Auburn, California, not Auburn, Alabama, so
5: <laughs> yeah, or auburn Washington
0: it's auburn Washington, <laughs> okay, got it
5: <laughs> no no, no, there's auburn. There is an Auburn in Washington too. No, this is Auburn, California. Okay,
0: good because Auburn, Alabama, is the one that I think everybody's kind of knows because of the college. But I just
5: wanted to make sure. All yeah. right, cool. Okay, that's a point. So anyway, uh, basically, I spent until you know from age fourteen to forty-four within living within twelve miles of Auburn. And the interesting thing about that was that up until I was 20, let's see, I was 21, until I was 22 (laughs) or 21, I don't know, 21 or 22, I, I had never heard of the Western States run or ride, uh, which was now called the Tevis. However, when I was down at UC Santa Barbara going to school in my junior year, I, uh, you know, I, I transferred down to UC from a junior college. Anyway, uh, I bought a horse. And that got me into the horse community at UC Santa Barbara. And one day I walked in in the spring of 1970. And a Tevis brochure was tacked up on, on the bulletin board. And I go, oh, this sounds interesting. I think I'd like to do this. I wonder where this is.
2: Oh, well, I wow. the
5: back and found, found out it was... The finish line was twelve miles from my home, my home, and I go, oh my god, it's in Auburn. <laughs> so I sent in a I sent in an application, and Drusilla Barner, who was Wendell's secretary and everything, Wendell is the founder of um, the founder of endurance riding and the founder of the Western States. He had he had ridden uh, on a challenge, uh, actually two different challenges. Uh, one by a a. a a guy in Montana who said he had the best cross-country horse in the world and challenged Wendell to a ride, a, a, you know, a um, competition. And uh, another from a, a member of the, his own Sacramento Horseman's Club, which who said that modern horses just couldn't do what the great horses of previous years could do, like go 100 miles over mountains and deserts in one day. And Wendell said, would mountains and canyons be acceptable? <laughs> so they... Set up a test course from from Tahoe City to Auburn, and uh, of course Wendell did make it under twenty four hours. That's actually four out of five of his group did. But anyway, Wendell had started this whole thing, and I just landed in in Wendell's world. In uh, well, in nineteen seventy, Drusilla Barner, who was his secretary and everything, uh, she. She sat right beside him. They had two two side-by-side desks, big desks, in in, uh, in Wendell's office. And she sent me back a thing saying, the ride's full, apply next year. So I did. And in 1971, I, I officially entered Wendell's world. I became conspicuous because, notable to them, because I weighed over 200 pounds and and had a background as a runner in high school and college. So I would bail off. I, I wasn't really that good of a runner, but I, I was good for my size. I got down to UC Santa Barbara and I couldn't cut it. So I actually made a much better wrestler than a runner. I was, uh, I won the all Cal championships that year <laughs> of all the university camp. Anyway, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 Approach I took to endurance riding was that I would get off on the downhills because that much weight on the front end would tend to make a horse go lame if he trotted, and then I would grab his tail and let him pull me up instead of having to carry me up, which was, of course, a lot easier for the horse. Anyway, because the the ride is mostly course is mostly up and down, I was spending more time with my feet on the ground or about as much as
1: Uh
2: in
5: the saddle. And that that immediately drew the attention of Drew and Wendell, plus the fact that I I was the first person who was stupid enough to the to do the ride on a bareback pad without stirrups.
2: Oh a boy!
5: Idea of the horse. And of course, uh, as we know now, a light saddle saddle is much easier on the horse than a bareback pad, and stirrups make it easier on both the rider and the, the
2: and how sore were you afterwards after you did that?
5: Well, I hadn't properly trained my horse. My idea was to gallop him along a six-mile hill course. And uh, from Tuesday to Thursday before the race, I went out and, and uh, explored the course, rode and ran the course from Auburn back to about halfway on the trail, which was Beartrap Creek at that time, dusty corners today. So he wasn't really trained for a hundred miles, but he was a very sturdy horse, and I of course um, was not trained for a hundred miles, although I, <laughs> I was probably closer than he he was, but the bareback pad ordeal combined with his under training resulted in both of us not being able to walk without limping for about ten days oh his most his muscles were sore, my muscles were sore and and uh, of course my thighs were ruined. It took a long time for both of us. We shared the pain equally, you know. It wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't that I was being mean to him. We shared the pain equally. I hurt every bit as much as he did.
0: Karen does that. So, she gets off and runs about <laughs> half the ride, don't you Karen?
2: Oh sure I do Karen. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> and that's because
5: and that's because she weighs over two hundred pounds, isn't
0: it? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> I love the story. You know, uh, I want to back up a little bit. So Wendell here, um in the nineteen thirties, he's he's uh he's he's a player in Auburn, right? He's kind of a player in that area. Uh and he when did he actually put the Tevis? together when he put the track together?
5: Well, he explored the route just because he was really into history and really into Arabian horses. Uh, in 19... God, what was it? 19... Wasn't that 50s? 41. Oh,
0: 41. Okay. Uh,
5: 1940 or 41, he he traveled with, a, I think, with a friend and they went around to the various Arabian horse <clears throat> horse ranches of the you know in the east, and were looking for the perfect horse. And he found they were they wanted to look for the perfect dam and the perfect mare, or their, his idea of perfection, and then arrange for a breeding. And when they got to Travelers Rest, Arabians in Tennessee, which is now a state historical park. He found uh, General God. What was his name? General something. Ran it an old, con, you know, Confederate family. They found the perfect mayor and the perfect stallion at the same place, and the mayor was in foal to the stallion. So Wendell immediately started negotiating with the general for the foal because he knew that the general already had the stallion he needed. And so if it was a mare, he'd keep it for his brood as a brood mare, And if it was a stallion, he would sell it, sell the Colt. And so they made this agreement that if it was a Colt, Wendell could have it. And so the, the Colt was born and shipped off in a box car to Wendell <clears throat> to Auburn. Wendell actually had to hide it. He sneaked it away and, Pretended, oh, yeah, it's just some horse I picked up at a sale because his wife was protesting about his over involvement in the horse culture. <laughs> so, anyway, that sounds familiar. This, this horse, <laughs> yeah, this horse was, uh, you know, became Wendell's favorite horse. In fact, Wendell became a member of the State Guard, realized that during the war, the National Guard was all, they were all called up and they went to war and so they formed state guard units of the people who were too young and too old who would be pre- were, they were preparing to resist the Japanese invasion and so Wendell had this stallion, this young stallion he was commander of the, the cavalry unit of, of Auburn and he had this young stallion who uh, Wendell was quite a disciplinarian He he managed to get that stallion to have good manners in the in the presence of mayors in heat <laughs> and act like he was supposed to act. Wendell made a comment about something like a diet of spurs when he acted <laughs> up. So anyway that that was his beginning and he wrote that horse and you know to you know did did long distance rides on timber stand, realized there weren't a lot of roads back then. A road was put in when a timber stand harvest was done. So you checked out your timber and decided if it it needed harvest by riding to it. And so Wendell would go on these long rides with his friends. Anyway, so in 1955, he started the Western States 100-mile ride as a result of these two challenges Uh, in the fall before that from the summer (coughs) fall before that from in Western one in one challenge in Western Horseman and the other one by his Sacramento area horsemen's association. Anyway, they did, they wrote it in 1955 and the, the response, it was just to prove they could do it. The response was a lot of people said, Oh my God, if I thought it was possible, I would have come along. You got to do it again. So the next year he did it again. And you know, they had a, they had an event, a yearly event. He always did it on what he called the riding moon, which is the, it was the the full moon, the weekend nearest the full moon that was nearest the end of July, and the reason for that is by then the snow had melted, but the days were still long, so he called that the riding moon. Mm. Anyway, that went on for you know quite a few years, and in 1971 I got involved, and Wendell had an amazing ability to make us all believe that the Western States 100 mile ride now known as the Tevis, it, well, it was called the Tevis Cup ride for also because of the, uh, the award that the Tevis brothers uh, donated to the ride in honor of their father, Lloyd Tevis, who was president of Wells Fargo for like a lot of years. <clears throat> and then later there was uh, the Hagen Cup donated by the, the offspring of James B. Hagen who whose name by the way is his his, his B was Ben Ali uh, he was uh, very involved in the world uh, his father was involved in the world of the arabs and very much an arab horse fancier and James B Hagan had a, a a racing stables in California anyway he do, his his uh, people donated the Hagan Cup which is for the best conditioned horse in the top 10 Anyway, he had Wendell had the ability to make us all understand to our deepest soul that the most important thing in our lives was the Tevis Cup ride. And we all bought in on it. So <laughs> and it still is.
0: 19- I mean, he he obviously he obviously made an impact, right? I mean, it still is.
5: I'll tell you what we what we see in the Tevis Cup today is nothing like the dedication and total single-mindedness of everybody involved back in the 70s. Oh,
0: wow. Speaking like of it. which, you've got to tell, I don't want to run out of time, before you tell the superintendent of Tahoe National Forest story. <laughs>
5: well, uh, Wendell, it turned out uh, back back in the, uh, God, in 1946, Wendell was a staunch Republican and back in nineteen forty six a bunch of california republicans wanted to to supplant this uh, liberal and a democrat obviously and so they there was some confusion about who to run and and all of the leading candidates didn't make the snuff you know they all had these weaknesses you know that could be brought out in public and so they kind of looked around for a fresh face and this self-made man, just a you know, brilliant, intelligent, put himself through school, raised a family, you know, when his father was ill or uh, dead or something I forget what the deal was. but uh, just a self-made man with impeccable credentials named Richard Nixon. So Wendell and a, a bunch of other people threw in 5,000 dollars, which was a lot of money back then to start his political career and then support him further a, a couple of years after that, when he ran against the, the very liberal Senator, uh, I believe her name was Susan Mahoggy Douglas. And he beat her too. And he called her the pink lady and she labeled him tricky Dick, which lasted for the rest of his life. <laughs> but anyway, uh, So Wendell started his political career. Well, in 1971, the first year I rode, two things happened. One is I became very significant in their world because I'd done it on a bareback pad and done it with my feet on on the ground more than half the time. And also, Wendell had pushed through. He had decided that it was just too civilized along the Truckee River, just too many houses and too many Resorts. It just wasn't befitting of the wilderness experience that he wanted to put his riders through. So he decided to stop in Squaw Valley. start in Squaw Valley, and he had to add eight miles. Well, they just looked at the map and said, uh, "Hey, you know what? If we, it's about six miles from the end of Lion Ridge down to Robinson Flat, and it's also six miles from the ridge between Mosquito Ridge, uh, between Duncan Creek." and, and, uh, Mosquito Ridge, Duncan Creek, and then Red Star Ridge, and right at the bottom of Red Star Ridge, there's a trail that goes to Robinson Flat That's six miles, and it just happens to be eight miles from the end of Lion Ridge down to that trail. So let's just push out a trail. So, you know, a few days before the ride, he sent his do everything, man, Roy Duncan up there to push out a trail. And Roy did a day's work and, you know, got down there about five miles. And so we had this, uh, it was, it was, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a nightmare trail because, you know, a cat had pushed it through. There was no grading. Mm-hmm. Boulders were uprooted from their normal place. But then it got worse because the last three miles was just tagged with somebody who went with a, a roll of surveyor tape to tell us where to go. And we were squeezing between bushes and, you know, banging into, you know, low limbs on trees and things like that. But anyway, it solved the problem. It added the eight miles and now it's the Red Star Ridge Trail, which is very famous. Uh, The the ride Uh doesn't do it anymore because... When they started in Truckee Meadows, they added a bunch of mileage, and so they didn't need that eight miles anymore. They needed to cut it off. Okay. But the run still does it, and it's still notorious for spraining ankles and turning toenails black Ooh. from stubbing into uh-huh. into rocks. Well, anyway, the on Tuesday, and I got this from Charlie Barrio, who was uh, a confidant of Drusilla, and, of course, Drusilla was – she knew everything about Wendell's world. So she was listening to one half of this conversation and then Wendell filled her in on the other half. So the story goes that, that this guy called and nonchalantly said, introduced himself as the superintendent of Tahoe National Forest and and said, I just called to advise you that you need to find another trail. And Wendell said, well, what's this about? And he said, well, you went into national, uh, you went into federal property and created tremendous destruction, and you're not going to be given a permit. And the guy and Wendell said, "See here, listen to reason." And the guy said, "No, you listen to reason. <laughs> you will never use that trail again. You have done a crime, and we're not going to prosecute. But you're not going to use the trail again." And Wendell said, I'll call Dick. And the guy, rather prophetically, said, you call whoever you want. As long as I am superintendent of this national forest, you will never use that trail. Well, that was Tuesday after (coughs) the event on Saturday and Sunday. And the next Board of Governors meeting was two weeks later. uh, Well, a week and a half later. So... They invited me to that meeting because they had suddenly become interested in me because I was so unusual I uh-huh. like that, and i could I could tough it out where a lesser person wouldn't have toughed it out. You know, most people would have quit. They were just really impressed by the fact that I didn't quit. so <clears throat> so I showed up at the meeting, you know, and we were, I didn't know anybody, and we were all kind of milling around, and then we sat down and Wendell stood up and banged the gavel and the first words out of his mouth were, I'm sure I No, he said, I'm pleased to announce we now have no m- new and more enlightened leadership of Tahoe national forest. And I thought, Oh my <laughs> God, that is power. <laughs> I just went, Whoa, I didn't know the background. Charlie told me that years later. And the funny thing was, I thought a bunch of people would know because Charlie was kind of known as a gossip at the time. Of course, now we know he's an oral historian because there's so much about the history of the ride and the people in it that nobody would know if it wasn't for Charlie, you know, telling people what other people were doing. (laughs) And Apparently Drusilla, Wendell never talked to anybody about it. And Drusilla apparently only told Charlie, and much to my surprise, I found out years later that I was the only person who bore that story. I was the only person Charlie wow. told to. Wow. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, it was like in the late 90s, you know, Wendell died in 84. Drusilla died in like 78, maybe. No, no, not 78. Um <laughs> It must have been about 1980, <laughs> because I remember I would I'd I'd come out come back from out of town, which probably would have been uh, when I was going to chiropractic school in in Oregon. And I was walking down the street of Auburn, and I saw a bunch of people out in front of the funeral hall, and I recognized the faces, and I walked up, and I asked, "So who died?" And they told me Drew had died, and I just I was. I I was just rendered speechless. I I hadn't even known she was sick. Mm -hmm. She was very private about it. She died of breast cancer. A very sad, sad Uh situation. Um, You know, Wendell was kind of footloose without his, you know, constant companion. Um, You know, she was his secretary and everything and his friend and everything. So Uh he was like bereft. And he kind of staggered along. You know, there were some people like Shannon Weil and, and um, uh, Shirley Gregory who kind of stepped in and, you know, as best as they could filled Drus- Drusilla's shoes. But, you know, of course, nobody could do that really. Anyway, uh, yeah, I was the only person that he told that to, which really surprised me. Anyway, I, I started talking about it in the late 90s. Just mentioning it because I realized it was a piece of the history of the ride. Right. That uh, the ride and the run that wouldn't ever get out if I didn't start talking.
2: Right. Yes. It. I really liked that post that you sent the other day on, on Facebook that included, you know, some of these stories. And um, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you for coming on, uh, Gordy. And um, we appreciate uh, sharing your, your history with us. And, um, and thanks again for answering your phone this morning.
5: <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing that, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a, a relay race. It's it's kind of like Wendell made the history and, and I just happened to be there and I got handed the baton and, uh-huh. uh, you know, well, all these years later, I mean, he died in 84 and here we are, what, 94, 104, one hundred fourteen. Uh-huh. Where, uh, Twenty-five years after he died, I guess twenty-seven, wow. something like that. Right, um, right. Yeah, interesting what, history.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Gordon. We oh, appreciate you stopping you. by. Have a good day. All right, thanks. Okay, bye. GordonAinsley.com dot com is where you can find uh, more information about him and his running, and uh, he's still out there doing that those runs. <laughs> he never stops.
2: And and did we get Phyllis?
0: uh phyllis is ready yay we've been trying to get phyllis for two days so just give everybody a quick recap
2: phyllis is on the pacific crest trail right now as we speak she's planning on riding from mexico to canada good morning phyllis thank you for joining us
6: good morning karen beautiful morning it was all pink in the sky
2: Oh, I bet. I bet you're having the adventure of a lifetime. So tell us about your trip.
6: Gosh, Um, how much to say. Um, Yesterday was a week on the trail with one day off, and um, we left on the 31st and went to the border, um, stopped in Fresno with some friends, but went to the border and started at the border at the Southern Terminus on the 3rd of April. And uh, started north.
2: And you're so, the first um, first horse on the trail this year, right?
6: I think first horse on the trail this year, so far as I know. And then I know that uh, you have some friends that are taking some horses. And then there was a gentleman out of Bishop that is taking three Mustangs. And, um, yeah, I think those are the ones that I know of.
0: Well, tell us about your horse. Are you doing one horse, multiple horses? What, what are you doing?
6: Well, for the first uh, 700 miles up to Kennedy Meadows, I'm using two horses, and I have my um, my Arabian, that's uh little Georgie. Uh, he's 12 years old, and uh, he's my endurance horse, and then we have Maddie, who's done some endurance also, but she's 19, and she's a Mustang that uh, we adopted oh, wow. from the BLM, and uh, Georgie actually was a, a rescue also, so... Um, but So, I'm Maddie. Maddie, since her age and since uh, condition with the snow we had in Truckee, she's not she's been conditioned on the trail, <laughs> so she's doing light days. So, she's going to do a 15 miler this today. And Georgie's pulling Georgie's the long days, he did 27 yesterday.
0: Now, the first 400 <laughs> miles of this is pretty much desert and not a lot of water access. So, are you having to carry all your water along? How's that work logistically?
6: Um, for the first few days, I was fine with water. There was plenty of water. And then there was going to be some dry stre- stretches or possible sketchy, you know, and so I started carrying water, and I was carrying two and a half gallons uh, plus, plus three bottles for me, and then I also had a camelback. And um, that was two, two different days. I mean, I went through all the water um, for the horse, and I was giving him water, about a half a gallon of water every two hours. So I was figuring out about how much time it was going to get me to uh, rendezvous with my husband, and then I was giving him rations and um, uh, some electrolytes in his water and um so that was that was two full days and then yesterday I also carried it so I think I've carried water three full days um, out of this trip
0: you know we i've so thanks for a I've talked to a lot of hikers, and we. I listen to a hiker podcast. Uh, all the people doing the long distance. Actually, one of the hikers that uh, I've listened to and follow. Her name is Dixie. Just started on the Pacific Crest Trail. She's following you about a couple days behind, and she. You know she's on the second leg of the triple crown of hiking there so now one of the things right. they always talk about is weight in their packs so they always fret about weight in their packs. serious hikers that's what they think about and you gotta kind of worry about that too because water is the heaviest thing
6: yeah i i think my water uh, i'm probably carrying probably 20 pounds of water um between i've got a couple quart bottles and then the other bottles um, you know what I mean? Two, two gallons is roughly 16 pounds to begin with. So, right. um, it's a lot of water and I'm, I'm just, uh, trying to keep it balanced on either side, uh, of my packs. And then yesterday I, I wasn't sure I was going to make this rendezvous point. So I had to actually carry my pack too, which was probably another 20 pounds that I carried. And, um, and then a bunch of equipment on, on top of the water. So, I think Georgie was probably carrying anywhere from 160 to 170 pounds yesterday.
0: Wow. And, and uh, you now you have to do it. You, you don't know where the water is going to be. Your husband is tra- uh, tagging along here and, you know, following you and helping you out <laughs> and meeting you. Now, there's some parts of this trail, though, where that's not going to be possible, right?
6: Right. So, that's when I pack my tent. Yeah. So, there'll, there'll be times when I have to, stay out overnight and, and uh, take my tent, take everything that I need um, to camp with, take my hindline equipment, because um, you can't tie the trees. If you, Actually, if you could find a tree right now. but um, So, yeah, I would have to carry everything, um, you know, to stay out, plus horse food. So, um, you know, thankfully there's there's been quite a bit of grazing, uh, which is nice. Uh, Maddie will eat anything as Mustangs do. And Georgie's pretty particular on what he sees on the side of the, the trail, but, um, yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll make it different. And once I reach the Sierra, that's another, that's another deal. Um, I'll probably be out uh, a few nights when, when I can't rendezvous.
2: Karen. Oh, Sorry. So, Phyllis, tell us a little bit about the technology that you and Bryce are using to track each other.
6: Oh, okay. Um, Well, Bryce and I both have, um, it used to be Delorme InReach Explorer. Now, uh, Garmin has purchased that company. So, uh, either way, you could find them. But they're GPS units that actually um, you can upload the trail to. um, But we can actually, with the InReach, you can you can send text messages. You can send emails, um, and then you also have an in-reach phone number that that each each unit can speak to, to together. And it's all through satellite, so I don't need necessarily need a cell site to be able to be in touch with. Um, yeah. Right.
0: That's good because I imagine and, uh, there's going to be a few spots with no cell service for a long time. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Right, yeah. <laughs> right. There, there has been that, um, you know, and and they also have map sharing. So, um, you know, I can I can give my information to people that I like, and then they can go on a computer and pull up my map share, and they can actually follow me on on the trail. So it actually, uh, you know, it, it lays down a dot where I am, like every ten minutes, so Bryce can actually follow. So he has his laptop computer here, and then he also we have my iPad. Um, because the units can be paired to your iPhone or your iPad, um, you know, any kind of device like that. So you can actually follow, actually on the phone too, if you need to. So I I pair with my iPhone. So when I'm sending messages, I have a bigger keyboard. Uh, It Mm -hmm. works better. Plus it has a bigger screen so I can see where I'm at and which way the trail goes. And I've had to use it a couple times for that because I went, where did it go? (laughs) So, um, and I think Karen, you said I'm spinning little, little, Little arrow is spinning because I'm kind of looking.
2: Right, but, um, right.
6: Yeah, it worked really, really well.
2: Yes, I always like at the end of each day when I see yours and, and Bryce's little triangles meet together.
6: <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> nice,
1: yes. I, you know,
6: I had to come off trail a mile last night, and I was going, okay, how far is this, and where are you? You know, where are uh-huh.
1: you? But, right.
6: Um, yeah, so once we meet up, it is nice. Right. No yeah, work, the other day I was team, but...
2: Yeah, I got a little concerned because your your tracker had quit working and it showed that you hadn't moved for like an hour and a half, like you like something had happened on the trail. And so that's when I, I sent Bryce a message and said, "Is everything okay?" Um
0: Karen is stalking right. so, uh, so
6: you. Yeah. yeah, Karen's stalking me. It, it was really nice uh, for some reason yeah, for some reason it's it froze. I mean it was still tracking me, but it wouldn't it wouldn't uh give me
1: uh An empty, a visual yeah. on my
6: on my in So we had to reset it, but then it then it went ahead and filled out the line there. I I think it kinda of froze at Eagle Rock, which was kind of a pretty amazing uh landmark out on the PCT. So um yeah, it and I was I was going, now what do I do? My my GPS isn't working, but we got it figured out because we were actually able to go on the Internet and Google the manual and, and troubleshooting, and I was able to fix
2: it. So it's still working. Well, thank yeah. God for
0: technology. Tell us about, um, <laughs> I've heard that you've had some desensitization training with the horses when it comes to rattlesnakes and other things. So t- tell <laughs> us about wh- what kind of interesting things you've come across.
6: Well, yeah, the 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 cutest thing I've come across are are the the horned toads, you know, horny toads, whichever. I've I've seen about three of them, and uh, I guess they're pretty elusive, but they're cute. But I've seen five snakes. Uh, yesterday, uh, the first rattlesnake I saw was only about twelve inches long, and it didn't like the fact that I kicked sand in its face, so it moved off the trail. <laughs> and he kind of did a little lunge at me, and I kind of laughed because it was so small, but. I saw I, the other snakes. I'm not sure exactly what they were, but yesterday I saw a rattlesnake that I think uh, a friend of mine said was uh, <laughs> a Pacific rattlesnake or something. It was a, a kind of a rusty red, really pretty, pretty snake, actually. But um, I was on my feet leading, and uh, I came up to it, and half of it was in the shade, and then his rattles and all that were kind of out on the trail. And mm-hmm. I went, Yep, that's a rattlesnake. And so I, of course, I took a picture real quick and then um we blew it up last night and it had like nine rattles on it so it was a full size uh pacific i guess rattlesnake and um but you know you just you don't abuse them too much you just kind of disrupt them and they just move off so um but you're always watching it's uh-huh. kind of like if you see anything that really doesn't belong on the trail you better look again you know if it looks weird you better look again and um so i've seen five snakes so far but um they haven't given me, actually, the smallest one was the, the only one that seemed to want to be a little aggressive and antisocial, so, um, <laughs> but I'm looking. I'm looking all the time, especially as soon as the sun comes up and hits the trail, um, you see the lizards coming out, then you know it's getting warm, and they're going to move out on the trail and get warm, so, um, but we saw deer last night. I've seen bunnies. Um, not a whole, not a whole lot of wildlife, um, except for the, the lizard, snake type.
0: Well now you you're doing this is 2600 miles uh goes through California, Oregon, Washington and British Columbia and Canada. There's an elevation change and what that means is going up and down you're going to be going up and down a total of 420,000 <laughs> feet um which is a lot what that means is you're going to be going up and down a lot. Um the highest point is Forester Pass, thirteen thousand feet. But there's a big problem in the Sierras with the snowpack. So will that mean you'll have to skip that and then come back to it later when the snow melts?
6: Yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, you know, horses can't put snowshoes on like a lot of the hikers, but um So the plan is to get to Kennedy Meadows and then I'll do what they call flip-flopping and I'll, I'll go around the Sierra to the Northern Sierra where the snow melt has already, you know, kind of made it passable and I'll do what I can up there. I'll go into Oregon. Um, I know Crater Lakes, Oregon and Washington actually had more snow than the Sierra this year. So I'll, I'll do, you know, what's available and then I'll have to come back. Um, I don't know, you know, with living in Truckee for 21 years, I, I think that the snow, in uh, and around Tahoe is probably going to be an August melt. I think this year, um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, if summer comes in roaring with a bunch of heat, it'll be different. But so I will. I'll have to jump around and uh, do what I can. And my first one that I'm coming to is Mount San Jacinto, and um, there's a Fuller Ridge on there. All the reports are that it's still iced over, and and they actually have lost a hiker already this year. So. You know, I have to put safety ahead of everything else. Um, there is a bypass trail that I could take and then come back, or I could just say, you know, not safe this year, and just take the bypass trail that a lot of hikers are taking. And uh, so, But it's going to take a while. It's going to be, you know, a good five-month um, adventure, I think, um, maybe six. But I, I can come back and do the Sierra in September if, if I have to. Uh, um, and do you mind if you know, we check in time. with you
0: once a month uh, during the show to keep an eye on your path and your track?
6: Oh, I have no no problem with that. You know, as long as we're, we're where you can get a hold of me, you know, and, and Karen <laughs> right. certainly knows how to get a hold of yep. me. Well, we'll keep um, trying. So, no, it'd be great. It'd and be great. It's, it's been fun. It's uh.
0: I have to know, because I saw the update uh, that your husband wrote last night to the family and friends. Uh, uh-huh. Karen sent that over to me. And, and being a horse husband for 30 years, uh, how does he feel about all of this? And what exactly is he doing while he's waiting for you all day
5: long? Oh,
6: he's napping, of course. No. <laughs> you know, he gets up. <laughs> he he gets up in the morning. I mean, you know, before I'm rolling out of this nice trailer, which I you know get to have right now. And um, he he feeds, he cleans. I mean, he's done all the logistics work. He's got a two-inch binder that's full of every topo map and every every bit of the description of the trail. And he pulls out what I'm going to do the next day, and we look at at what the topography is going to be, and how long it's going to take, and which horse I'm riding. Um, He's constantly having to fill up water. Water is a big deal. Um, we've got a 55-gallon drum in the back of the truck, plus we've got about six-gallon um, six uh, containers, plus the trailer has to be filled up. So he's, he's gassing the trailer. He's doing all of that. He's doing way more than I am. I, I'm riding and having a good time and seeing the, the desert bloom. But um, Bryce, is, Bryce is on it today. I think he's stopping at the grocery store, and he's also filling up with water because um, I think I'm going to be real close to Paradise Cafe today, but we don't know what, what the availability of water is there. So he's going to fill up everything before I get there. And then when I do arrive, I mean, my high is up. I mean, he's done everything. Plus, he's taking care of the extra horse. He's taking care of the dogs that are with us he has a full day.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just checking because so, I pictured yeah, you he's, losing he's about like I pictured you losing about 30 pounds and him gaining about 50. Uh that's <laughs> that, that was
1: the
6: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I probably lose a little bit, but I I think it's more getting in shape cuz I'm actually doing a lot of walking. I my my partnership with my horses they they take me to the top of the hill and I take the downhill so as soon as I've got downhills that I can see are going to last for more than you know 50 yards or something i'm off and i'm walking so i think one of the 24 mile days i probably did at least 8 miles of it um walking so you know it just takes weight off of them and it and it gives them a break and um quite frankly, sometimes Georgie was in the doldrums yesterday and I got off and I can make him walk faster by by him leading, you know. So um yeah, so it's uh it's it's kinda like every day you learn something new and you find out what you could have done better or what you did that really worked. And that's uh kinda how it's been. Um wow. you know it's wow. a week now and we kinda got into a rhythm. So it's what well, I hope
2: I hope you have a really great ride today, Phyllis. Thank you for getting up and talking to us this morning. We really appreciate it. I know it's, it's tough because you have so much to do to get ready. Um, so go and have a great ride. And I will keep, you know, stalking you and following along <laughs> <laughs> for the next five months or whatever. But we wish you well and we wish you That's the best going. of luck. And be safe and um, watch out for those snakes. <laughs>
6: I, I I totally will. I have radar on for them. So, yeah, it would be great. But, yeah, feel free feel free to call. Feel free to let Bryce know that I've been in one place for an hour and a half and haven't okay. moved. So <laughs> it's, all, it's all good.
2: Yes.
0: All right. Take care.
6: Yeah. Thanks. So thank you for talking to me. And you guys have a great day.
0: And Thanks, if you, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis, if you see a girl named Dixie hiking up and yeah. uh, catches up to you, tell her that one of her supporters said hi.
6: That's, that's great, I will. They actually, you know, Georgie have a little fan club, I think, actually. They all come around the corner and go, Georgie! And I went, oh, okay, where do we meet? You know, but so I'll watch out for Dixie.
0: <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. <laughs>
1: all right. Bye.
0: Bye. Well, now, we do have somebody that uh, your other friend that's just about leaving and I read their blog and and people can follow along with that, right? What's the website there?
2: Um, Gosh, uh, did, did I give you the yes, link? Yes, it is have Gary... It? Okay.
0: Peg.com, g a r y p e g g Dot .com and it looked like they were just heading down and they're going to be leaving out shortly on the trail.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. they're just leaving and so th- and um and they're kind of doing similar to Phyllis and that they've also got a crew and a, and a rig to follow along and they've got two horses each and so um people now, can follow follow them as well.
0: Now, he wrote uh, this is uh, this will give you an idea of what putting something like this together because remember, you got to take 6 months out of your life. It's it's mm-hmm not cheap. It's expensive. He's got to fill that Uh truck up and keep them fed and everything for six months. Plus, you still got to keep everything going at home. So this is is a big project. Uh, He wrote, Janice had a dream the other night where I confessed that, in fact, I've uh, talked about this trip for so long to so many people that I feel trapped into going. And I know a lot of the hikers talk about that because they have to plan it for like two years ahead and then they feel like they have to go, right? Because they've told everybody. There Uh is more than a little truth in that assessment. It seems like the past six months events have conspired to hamper my success the snow bills, problems ill-prepared horses and a growing concern for mine regarding my aging physical status on the other hand i'm going woohoo <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the attitude of endurance rider right it is yep <laughs> <laughs> all this crap going on all these obstacles in the way and screw that i'm going i'm so,
2: going anyway yeah right. yeah well let's wish them all good luck <laughs> and a safe, safe journey
0: And people can find if they want to do their first endurance ride this year, what's the best way to do that?
2: Uh, Go to AERC.org, look up the ride calendar, and you can search by region or state and uh, find the the rides that are close to you and go check one out.
0: And, of course, you can find all of the past episodes of the Endurance Show here on Horses in the Morning. Just go to HorsesintheMorning.com and search for Karen Chatner Endurance, and I'll bring them all up. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook, and Jennifer posts a bunch of links over there. So if you're looking for a link, that's probably the best way to do it. And you can also have all all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go in our free app, iPhone or Android. Just go to the App Store and search for Horse Radio Network. That's the simplest and easiest way to listen to our shows live or recorded. And Karen, where, what's your blog that they can follow you at? I'm um-
2: my name, KarenChatton.com
0: KarenChatton.com is the best way to go there. Thank you everybody for joining us. Jamie will be back tomorrow morning from Flags Up Farm from Monte Roberts Place over there in California. We'll get an update from her. Hopefully hopefully she is feeling well enough. And uh, we'll talk to you then. 9 a.m.